Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. All right, welcome to the show today. We have been asked, uh, answering questions sent in from our listeners. If you would like to submit a question that we could answer on air, just email us at info at ReformationVoice.com. So the question for today deals with um, hell and heaven. So the first part, I guess we'll just tackle the first part first and then the second part second. That kind of makes sense, right? <laughs> um, maybe we should just back up and ask the, the question prior to the question that was asked is, do we believe in hell and what do we mean by that? Mm, that's good. What does yeah. hell look like? Yeah, there we go. That's good. Let's go there first. I asked the question, so now I don't have to answer it. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, first of all, uh, maybe I'll jump in to answer that, and uh, the answer is yes. I, I there, there, there is a hell, there is a heaven, and uh, I and they're both eternal, and they're both eternal, and I, I know that because the the Bible teaches it, uh, Christ Himself teaches it, uh, and I've I've known some more liberal-leaning Christians who have, have wanted to deny the existence of hell, and they say, we just need to focus on Jesus. Focus on Jesus and love. Well, um, I would say to those friends, uh, the person in the Bible that talked the most about hell, far and away, the, the, the person who presented us the most information about eternal punishment is Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, he talked about it a lot. And so it's unavoidable uh, if you if you believe uh, the the Bible to be the Word of God. Um, it, it's it's real. Yeah. What about those that will come back and say, "Well, how can God be a good God if He punishes people forever in hell? Um, shouldn't we at least believe in annihilation?" I really well, kind of like this role of asking questions. Yeah, it's it, nice. It's a lot easier to do. <laughs> <laughs> well, well f- what do you think, Russ? Yeah. <laughs> That's well, a, a sin unforgiven is it a sin unforgiven eternally? Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, we're told in the Bible that uh, you know it's appointed unto man once to die, and after that, the judgment. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, there is no second chance afterwards. Yeah. Um, you know what? You know, um, you know the Lord will separate. Uh, you know the the sheep from the goats, and 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 He will deliver those who uh, have not placed trust in Him uh, into uh, eternal damnation. And that's yeah. something that is. That's why you know the other day, you know, knowing the fear of God, we persuade men. Yeah. There's a, you know, we're compelled to tell somebody to avoid those things. Yeah. You know, and that's that's the, the part of our motivation. 
our understanding of who God is and what he requires. Yeah. Uh, and uh, the fact that, you know, when we commit sin, we commit cosmic treason against him. And uh, he tells us that he will not wink at sin. He he tells us that he he will not tolerate it. He's yeah. not going to tolerate it in, in, mm-hmm. in heaven. Yeah. He's patient with us, um, wanting us to come to repentance. But yeah, I think the difficulty, I think the difficulty for people who are just coming into the Christian faith or or are an outsider looking and they see, oh, well, I've only sinned for seventy years. Then why does God then punish me for eternity? And I think that's a really good objection. And I think the Bible answers it. I mean, first of all, the first place is in James two, where the Bible says that if you sin and fall. On one part of the law, you're guilty of the whole thing. So that's 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 the first place I would go. That because you sin, the law is not abstracted from God's person. It's the, the it's the person of God who gave that law. And so you're not sinning against a rule. You're sinning against God Himself. Mm-hmm. But the second thing I would say is that we just know in in our regular society that the punishment rises with the dignity of the person that your your crime is against. So, for instance. If you commit a crime against a homeless person on the street, uh, the police will take you into custody and punish you accordingly, but it's probably not going to be that great of a punishment. If you try to commit a crime against the president of the United States, you're going to go to Guantanamo Bay. And so there's just this principle of the, the punishment increases as the dignity of the person increases. If you sin against an infinite holy God, your crime mm-hmm. by definition is an infinite crime. And mm-hmm. I think we have to understand that People will say, well, if I only live 70 years, how come I'm punished eternally? Well, the assumption there is that they stopped sinning when they died. Yeah. They they didn't. Right. Um, they continually live in rebellion against God. Yeah. They continue to not submit to the Son. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's ongoing punishment, at least in part, because it's also ongoing rebellion. Yeah. Can I just say something right there? This such shows the necessity of the new birth, and, and I think it really vindicates the truth of the Reformed faith. People think evidence is today. If I just have the right amount of evidences, then people will believe the gospel. Man, if there was ever an evidence that was so clear about the wrath of God and the justice of God, it would be hell. And what you find in the book of Revelation is that when people are exposed to the wrath of God, they do not repent. They, they don't. They keep on sinning. It says it clearly in several places. And though they saw these things, they did not repent. Evidences will not bring about the new birth. They will not bring about saving faith. It takes the Holy Spirit of God to, to cause a person to be born again. Yeah, you know who really captured that, that, that sin and rebellion continue in hell? And uh, who really captured that was C.S. Lewis in, in his allegory, The Great Divorce, which mm-hmm. didn't have to do with marriage and divorce. It had to do with heaven and hell. And and if you pick that up and read it, I would caution I would caution the listener. Do remember you're reading an allegory. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lewis was not trying to write a theology of of heaven and hell. It's allegorical, so read it that way. But what he what he what he shows is that, and it's it's kind of it's it's fanciful and farcical. As I said, it's an allegory, so go with it. Um, he, he pictures heaven and hell. Uh, and there's this bus line between hell and heaven that the people in hell every day can get on a bus and visit heaven. And when the people, but surprisingly, or maybe not surprisingly, every day these people in hell get on the bus and they take the bus to heaven and they hate it. They despise it. They're filled with anger. They don't want to be near anybody. They, they, 
they can't stand it because heaven's filled with love and grace, which they hate. And so they can't wait to get back on the bus and get back to hell. Now, once again, don't try to build a theology of heaven and hell. There is no bus line. But what Lewis was capturing there is that the rebellion of the heart goes on eternally in hell. Mm-hmm. No, God, I, I don't want you. No, God, I will not bend the knee to you, no matter what you do to me. And the rebellion, when grace is withdrawn, the rebellion just goes deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. Doesn't Lewis write about heaven and hell also in The Weight of Glory? Yeah. It's been a while since I've read it, so I'll need help if of talking about what he wrote there. But I think in there he makes the argument that um, God, if he is to be a God of love, has to punish evil. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that might be as far as I can go with remembering what Lewis's argument, yeah. but something to the effect of unpunished evil is not actually loving; it's actually um, the opposite. Right. right. And we would we would know that experientially. Like if my children um, are sleeping in their bed safe at home, and someone tries to break into their house, they would hope that I would exert force against them to try to protect them because I love them. Mm-hmm. Okay, so then are we ready? I'm done asking questions, so (laughs) go ahead. Okay, so now, having laid all that important foundation, are there different levels of severity in hell? And and the the questioner who asked this uh, gave the example of Dante's Inferno. I've actually not read that, so I don't know what that the premise of that book is. Yeah, and in Dante's Inferno, there's various there's descending levels of hell. And uh, depending on the severity of your sin in life, and but but once again, just I was talking about C.S. Lewis a minute ago. Keep in mind that when you, if you read Dante's Inferno, it's not the Bible, and, and it, it is allegorical, allegorical, mm-hmm. and uh, and then Dante pictures that the deepest level of hell, when you get down to the very bottom, it's not hot; it's frozen. And at the very bottom of hell is Satan himself inverted in a frozen lake with his head under the in in the ice under the frozen water. So now, pretty allegorical. <laughs> it's pretty allegorical. Yes, absolutely. He wasn't relying on scripture. So, um, you know, I would say personally, no. I don't think the Bible gives us any any indication. The Bible the Bible uses images of yeah. hell, images of fire. Um, images of, of weeping and gnashing of teeth. Gnashing of teeth meaning anger, resentment. Um, we talked a minute ago about um, the, the rebellion against God goes on in hell. Don't assume that you know people in hell are seeking to repent. No, they're gnashing their teeth in anger. Yeah. And, I, and I, I do think that the Bible teaches that hell is a place of conscious torment. And we, you know, and we're he compares it to the uh, an eternal fire uh, and you know one of the illustrations from the bible is that is from the Hinnom valley just outside of jerusalem is where uh, the the refuse and offal and everything burned and it and it burned day and night i mean it, you know you you we don't experience that anymore, but I remember growing up where the garbage dump actually had a, a fire going all the time. And this is exactly the picture that we are given of of hell, and it's a place of conscious torment. Yeah. So I don't know if I disagree or not, Phil, because we didn't get to talk about this much off the air, but I actually do think that there are – maybe the word level is not the right word, but there's different degrees of punishment – 
I guess the first place I'd go to is in Matthew 11 where Jesus began to denounce the cities where most of his mighty works have been done because they did not repent. Mm-hmm. Jesus said in, in 11.21, Woe to you, uh, Chorazin, woe to you, Bethsaida, for mm-hmm. if the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I tell you, it would be more bearable on the day oh. of judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for you. And yeah. you, Capernaum. And Tyre and Sidon aren't, uh, Sodom aren't let off the hook. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They're, they're, they're pagan cities. Right. And, right. and Jesus really makes this comparison between a religious city that rejects Jesus and a mm-hmm. pagan and very sexual immoral mm-hmm. city that rejected the light that they had been given. Mm-hmm. And the way that I'm understanding that is that the more light that a person's been given, the greater judgment will be meted out for them on the day of judgment. That's mm-hmm. how we, I understand mm-hmm. those passages. And that's how yeah. I understand Luke 12 when it says that um, the servant who knew his master's will but did not get ready or act according to his will will receive a severe beating. But mm-hmm. the one who did not know and did what deserved a beating will receive a light beating. Everyone to whom much was given of him, much will be required. So I, I think the severity of the punishment deals with the level of knowledge that has been rejected. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I believe everyone has revelation enough to hold them accountable before God. Um, There are those that only see it from the world in which God has created. There are some that have been under the word. They've actually known the truth. They've heard the truth. They they have willingly rejected Jesus Christ as their Savior. Um, And so I think there is a difference of severity based upon the level of knowledge from which you've you've pushed back against and rejected, and I would agree with that. I th- I think that that's an important distinction. But also, hell is hell. I mean, that regardless of the um, the level of punishment, it's still hell. It's yeah. it's experiencing the wrath of God. We we talk about. Some people say it's the separation from God. Actually, no, God is the one who is punishing us in hell. And that's why the gospel is such good news, because that's what Jesus absorbed on the cross for believers, the very wrath of God in its fullest, infinite form. Amen. All right, we will see you next time. 